Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked on Warriors, your daily Golden State Warriors podcast. I am Danny Luru, your host, and so happy to bring you your team every day. This is an unusual stretch for the Warriors because they have a week off from playing games, so they are doing practices and and a bunch of other stuff, but they aren't playing games, so for the Locked On purposes, it's going to be a week without any recaps or anything like that, which is is fine if you want to hear the recap on Thursday's non-televised game. Tim Bontemps and I did one. That was Thursday. Actually, that was Friday's episode recorded on Thursday night. So... What that gives me an opportunity to do with this podcast is get into some ideas that are a little bit different and that are a little bit not time sensitive. And one of them that I wanted to do from the time that I kind of conceived of this podcast was doing something on explaining Kevin Durant. And specifically, this one will be him as a scorer. But before I get into that, which will be the heart of the episode, a little bit of housekeeping. The Warriors cut Elgin Cook and Scott Wood, who were two, you know, possible more fringe guys that are more likely to play on the Santa Cruz Warriors than the Golden State Warriors, both had $50,000 guarantees on their on their contracts, so the Warriors will pay them that money, and then that will probably be, you know, was an inducement to bring them to the Warriors and probably bring them to Santa Cruz, but that is not a binding thing in any way, so we'll see what happens, but that would be my expectation, so... The roster is at 18 now. You know they they could theoretically expand it, but still have a couple of more expected guys before you get into the real hard decision, which most of us assume is going to be Javale McGee versus Elliot Williams. But it could be Javale McGee versus Elliot Williams versus every other guy who gets cut by every other team. So we'll see. But that's it's the first step along that process. So the main part of what I wanted to do today is go through something that is is a little bit, it's going to be a little bit in the weeds, but there's a specific reason for it, and I think it's to get a good foundation of this. And so one of the cool things that has happened over the last couple of years is that Synergy is this amazing system that exists that is a, a private service that you can pay for, and uh, that it does a lot of different things, but one of the big ones is they categorize all of the plays and everything that happens in an NBA game into types. And then if you have a Synergy account, it not only gives you statistics on it, but you can watch video. So if you want to watch every Steph Curry spot up three, if you want to watch every Jaleel Okafor post up, you know, whatever you want to do, you can, you can do that through that. And so for watching video, it's actually a better, a really good way to analyze talent. And, you know, something like if you want to see if a guy has a structural flaw in his jump shot or something like that, over the last year, the NBA has actually put some cultivated, I guess would be a good word for it, synergy information on their site. So it's on the NBA stats site. So every single thing that you will hear in this podcast is not proprietary. It's not something I have special access to for any other reason. This is all stuff that I culled from public information on the NBA's own site. So one of the big things about synergy is that it 
sorts all of the player it sorts all of the plays in a game based on the action involved and so it could be a post up it could be cutting something like that and something that has to be noted at the outset is that it is done by human beings and it is not perfect so sometimes there are things that kind of dance between a couple and so they end up putting it in one box it should be another so these things are not considered gospel but they are good to know and they can be a good a good source of reference and that is also why I also like looking more at, at relative ranking rather than absolute value because there are certain things that could be done differently. So that's one very important note. The second one is that this is as a score. So the way that the synergy stuff on the NBA account works is that it is them as a score. So if you have somebody like Rajon Rondo, who will come up in, in an early category, um, I'll mention him in something. It is this number, like it'll be done in points per possession. It's only them as a scorer. So if they, you know, make an awesome pass, they're they have a post up and they pass it to somebody else who makes an open three. That doesn't count at all. It's not doesn't count against them. Doesn't count for them. If they don't put up a shot, it doesn't count. So that that does affect it as well because when you are really trying to assess something openly about whether somebody is good at something, you know, you want to have that information. But if you tailor it to X person is good or bad at this which is scoring specific, then you can, you can get some potentially relevant information. And a guy who is a great example of how you can get potentially relevant information is Kevin Durant. And Durant is special in a league full of special individuals because he is not only capable, but pretty excellent in almost all of the scoring facets that you want. And it is very unusual to have somebody who does that. Usually you have players who are excel at a couple of different things and, you know, maybe they're solid at a few others and then bad at bad at a few. Because there are a lot of different ways that something can happen. You can be the screener in a pick and roll, you can do putbacks off offensive rebounds, you can be a cutter, you know, there are a lot of different ways to get the ball in a basketball game. And Durant is special because he is really good at almost all of them and he is great at many of them as well. And a good place to start, and I'm not, I didn't tailor this as an argument or anything, I'm putting them in the exact order they were in on the Synergy page on the NBA site. So it's not an agenda, it's not anything like that, I'm just doing it in the way that they did it, but I think it's pretty interesting in in and of itself. So, the first category is transition. As I said, this is as a score, not as a passer. Durant scored 1.32 points per possession, which is very high. At 277 possessions, that means he got 277 shots off in transition. And so points per possession, it's pretty easy to think about. You know, it's like each trip down the floor. So if you make a basket, that possession was two points or three points, depending. And if you miss, it's zero. And so that means that he may basically made more often than he missed, if you want to think about it that way. That is good enough to be in the 87th percentile. That's really good. And he was uh, 19th best out of, there were 228 players who had more than 50 possessions. He was 19th best of that group, and he was number seven among guys with more than 100. And in transition, in terms of scoring, he was better than any other, any retaining Golden State Warrior. Clay Thompson was at 1.24, so that's a little bit worse, but not not dramatically worse. And just some other, as I was digging through this, some other interesting stuff in transition is that... Anthony Davis was the best. That I think that was true the year before uh, with more than 100 possessions. Evan Fournier of the Magic, who just signed a new contract, was, was second, which is a little bit surprising. And then on the worst side, you have 
first were two guys from Sacramento, James Anderson, who's now in Europe, and Rajon Rondo, who is hurt a lot by the scoring versus overall offensive distinction because he's kind of a disaster as a scorer in transition. And one guy who's really surprising on this to be low is Damian Lillard. Lillard is actually under one point per possession, which you wouldn't expect considering he's incredibly athletic and is a very good shooter. That seems like a place that he could do well. Steph Curry does very well. So does Clay Thompson. So that's just an interesting thing. So you have Durant. He's in the 87th percentile in transition. Not a surprise, but still interesting. Then you get into isolation, something that has been a hallmark of Durant his entire career. He's arguably done it too much because the OKC system was overly stagnant. He scored almost exactly a point per possession, uh, 0.99, in 273 possessions. That put him in the 86th percentile. Very, very good. And he was number 16 of a little over 100, 109, who had more than 50 possessions, and number 6 among guys with more than 100. And the only Warrior who was better in those situations during the regular season was Stephen Curry. He was a little over a point per possession at 1.07, and... That also illustrates something that was so different about Steph in the NBA in the playoffs after his MCL sprain, as opposed to the rest of his, that he was one of the best ISO players in the entire league before he was hurt, and then he struggled a lot late, including those notable failures in Game 7. So Durant is really, really good at that. I've said before that, in my opinion, he is the best isolation scorer in the league, top to bottom, but this also gets into another topic that we'll get into you know, a little bit down the line in one of the other categories, but he's so versatile and he can do a lot of things. And he's also great at getting to the line, which is something that really helps in terms of non warriors, Carl Anthony towns, as crazy as this is, he was number one as an isolation score. This at 1.19 points per possession. That's ridiculous for a guy who's a rookie and who, you know, didn't necessarily play with the, the best talent around him in terms of maximizing his isolation efficiency for those of us who want him to play with a stretch four. And the worst was Nerlens Noel of the 76ers. Kind of makes sense that he wouldn't be a good isolation scorer. And Andre Drummond was close to the bottom as well. Not surprising that those two guys as straight centers would be bad in ISO. Next up is maybe the most surprising one for most people. And part of the reason why KD is really special is as a pick and roll ball handler. So Durant had a little bit, again, a little bit under one point per possession. So this is being basically the guy who's running the pick and roll. So not being the screener. It was 0.93 per possession, 348, which is a lot for that kind of a circumstance, you know, a lot, especially a lot for a guy who's not, who's not the primary ball handler in his offense. That's 88th percentile. Crazy good. 15th of 159 players with more than 50 possessions and number 11 with more than a hundred. And if you think about that, as the pick and roll ball handler, that means he's more efficient as a scorer in the pick and roll ball handler than almost every starting point guard in the league. And that's nuts considering he is not one of them. And the only warrior who was better than, who was better than Durant in that role was Stephen Curry, who was number one in the entire league. And one weird thing that's really interesting in terms of affecting the warriors is that Clay Thompson actually tied Durant. They had the same points per possessions, but he did it in, but he did it a lot less of the time. So he, you know, they, they, they were the same level of efficiency, but Durant did it a lot more. And so usually you like to tie it, that people who use more possessions in that way, you know, they're going to get some worse shots. That kind of an idea, the, the trend, the idea of the commingling between how much you, how many shots you take and how many of them go in, but that's still really impressive on Clay's part. And 
Some surprisingly high guys in this for last year were Kawhi Leonard, Rudy Gay, DeMar DeRozan. All of them were top 10. You wouldn't expect it. All of them, I think all of them were on the lower end of the players, you know, within the constraints. I think they were all more in the, the 50 possession range than the, the super high end like Durant, but still interesting. And in the bottom, two guys that stood out to me are Garrett Temple, who's probably going to be the backup point guard for the Sacramento Kings, and former Warrior Kent Bazemore, which is not a surprise considering part of the reason he, let's say, washed out of Golden State was that they tried to use him as the primary ball handler is the point guard of the offense, and he's good at many, many things. He deserves the contract he got, but he's not good at that, and so it has been phased out of his game, and not surprisingly, he still struggles with it a fair amount. And that dovetails in with the next one, which is as the role man. So now you switch the spots in the pick and roll. So now he's playing more, Durant's playing more of the Draymond Green role, but of course those players get a lot of shot opportunities as well. Durant had a He's not as good at this. He's a little over a point per possession, 1.08 in 100 possessions, so a lot fewer. So he spends less time as this, less shots as the screener than as the shoot as the ball handler. Not completely surprising, given everything with that team. This is one of the ones where he's the weakest. He's 67th percentile, so top two thirds, but not truly elite. And one really fascinating part of this for me is that the only player on last year's Warriors team that was better than Durant, so even though this is one of his weaker categories, is Mo Spates, who is now not a warrior. So this is something that is generally consi- it's generally considered to be a, a good way to get offense, but the Warriors, partially due to personnel, were not particularly adept at this, and we'll have to see how players like David West and Zaza Pachulia can do in this role, and, and Draymond to a point, though he's so much better in, in the passing capacity at this point. The best guys in this aren't super surprising, DeAndre Jordan's an absolute monster. Miles Plumlee, who just got a big deal with the Bucks, was actually first in the league. He was a little bit over DeAndre, but DeAndre does it so much more often that you would think of him as the better role man, and that's not a surprise also, considering he plays with Chris Paul, who's incredibly good at that as well. LeBron is top five, which is pretty incredible, considering how well he can run an offense that he's also great as a screener. And the two most surprising guys in the bottom, at least for me, were... Julius Randle and Jabari Parker, who are two extremely talented power forwards that just don't have that part in their game yet. They both need to get a little bit stronger and get better at, at finishing in traffic. And that's something, when you look at a guy like DeAndre or you look at Miles Plumlee, they can they can definitely do that. And the other the other guy who, because I, I love him as a player that was low, was Miles Turner. We'll see how that works out. He's talented, now going to be starting center for the Pacers. But that could also tie in with something you see as a commonality between all those players is that they played power forward with, or because Paterno was playing with Mahimi, with centers that didn't really shoot a lot, so that meant they were going up against more pressure. When a straight center does it, usually the power forward is a worse help defender. So that's something to watch as well in terms of how the Warriors use their big men. Also of note is that Zaza Pachulia did better in this metric as a scorer and as a scorer off a screen than Dwight Powell did, and Dwight Powell got a pretty big contract for the Mavericks, and considering he is not a great rim protector, the big part of it was that he's so good at this. And it's surprising and could be a, a notable thing for the Warriors that Pachulia, you know, he wasn't elite, he wasn't anything like that, but he did well as a, you know, as the scorer in, in the screen situation. So that is worth watching to see how he does with so much shooting around him, because while Dirk has had this magnetic effect on other big men for years, Tyson Chandler is a great example 
the Warriors could do it as a team in a way that is a little bit different. Next up, so we go from one of the weaker ones for Durant to arguably his absolute best, and that is that he is an elite post-up player. Last year, he scored 1.23 points per possession, 149 possessions, which is the 100th percentile. He's actually, you know, 99.6 percentile. Best player out of 105 with more than 50 possessions, obviously number one with more than 100 possessions. And the closest warrior actually is a new addition, David West. David West was third in this, which is pretty incredible. And so Durant is an amazing post-up guy. He's great at drawing fouls. He almost always has a size advantage on his direct cover, so that's when he when he does his post-ups because he is a seven-foot small forward. This isn't really a surprise. He's very skilled in that way. So it will be notable to see how the Warriors use this. This is also something that gets weaker when you slide him up a position. So when he's playing power forward, you'll probably see less post-ups, but he can also attack switches in that way. And forcing switches as the screener is going to be a major part, in my opinion, of the Warriors offense. Like, how do you defend a Steph Durant pick and roll? One of the ideas is, oh, you switch it and try to make it back. But if he can get a seal and get the ball because he's so tall, then teams are going to have some real problems, especially if the Warriors are spacing the floor with guys like Draymond. So that will be something worth watching. A notable thing in the post-up realm, and so why I wanted to talk about post-ups also, this was what I was alluding to before with isolations, is that sometimes post-ups and isos run together and people get confused as or the the it's possible that those get put in the wrong boxes and drain is really good at both of them so you don't have to worry as much about misclassification when somebody's really good at both and one it's really weird that the spurs had a ton of elite post-up players last year and they've kind of separated throughout the league so david west borstia Kawhi leonard were all top 10 of more, with more than 50 possessions two of those guys are gone then Boban and LaMarcus Aldridge were both top 20. Boban is now in Detroit. So they had five of those guys, and three of them are now gone. Ryan Anderson was really good as a post-up player last year. He had over a point per possession. Very strong. I think he was top 20 off the top of my head. And the best returning warrior, so guy who was on the team last year and is on the team this year, is Sean Livingston. This, is again, isn't a surprise. Sean Livingston is awesome. He's in the 88th percentile in this, and... Like Durant, he uses it in circumstances when he has a size advantage on his opponent, and he's quite good at it. And this is actually one of the biggest flaws, while it's totally justifiable with Draymond Green. Green, despite being a big man in terms of you know his role and being a huge defensive presence, is not a great post-up player. He was 20th percentile last year, and he was 6th from the bottom of guys who had more than 50 possessions. And that's not bad. Like, you know, like, it's it'd be great if he could do that, but it's not the biggest thing in the world that he doesn't. And especially remember that this is as a scorer. He is a a talented passer out of post-ups and that benefit is not measured in this analysis. So that's something to consider as well, but it's something to note with Draymond and him being at center. You don't even, you don't want him to do that when, even when you play up, then it gets even more, it gets even worse. So not a big deal, but just worth noticing all the same, but we'll see what happens with David West, you know, especially if David West is, you know, whether he plays five or he plays four, they're going to have spacing around him. So we'll see how they use that. Next up is spotting up. So this is a, you know, you could think of it as catch and shoot. It's, it's pretty much the same thing. Durant, again, really good over a point per possession, 1.13, 89th percentile. 
He is number 32 of 279 guys. So there are a lot of spot ups is something that happens more commonly. This isn't a surprise. So, you know, he's in, he's in the top, he's in the top quarter of, of kind of heavy volume guys. And he's actually a little higher than that. And then 18th of 134 with more than 150 possessions. So you have to scale it up a little bit for that. Curry was number two in the league which with a ridiculous 1.49. So that basically means that means he makes half of his shots if every shot was a three, which is completely insane. And just behind J.J. Redick, and this gets into the whole thing I talked about before with J.J.'s teammate of DeAndre Jordan, is that Redick, Redick and Curry, you know, they, they, they shoot different quantities and all that sort of thing, but they're both awesome at this. They're really, they're a mile kind of away from everybody else. Other notable ones, Matthew Delvadova, top 10. He had a 1.24 per 100 possessions, so better than Durant in this way. Playing with LeBron certainly helped. Seth Curry was 12th, so can tell a little bit about that. And the absolute worst guy in the league among players with more than 50 possessions was Markeith Morris. Of I think this was particularly of his time in Phoenix, but it might have been both combined. He was at almost half a point per 100 possessions, so he was... He was basically one-third as efficient as Steph Curry in the exact same situation. So you give him three shots, he'll make as many of them as Steph makes in one. And Durant being great as a spot-up player is something that the Warriors will use a lot because he, you know, he'll be involved in the primary action sometimes, but then other times it'll be, you know, like a Steph Draymond pick-and-roll. And Durant is taller than anybody who guards him, and he can hit open shots. He had a couple of big looks that would be classified as spot up in the game against the Kings where they gave him a little bit too much space and things like that. And he will probably get more of those looks. Like I think, I think we'll see his, her, his amount of possessions spike on that this year because of how the Warriors offense is going to run, though that could flow into some other categories. We don't know for sure, but him being great as a spot up also helps open up a lot of other things, just like it does for Clay Thompson, you know, having those players in those circumstances, affects help defense. It affects a million other things. So replacing Barnes with him, though Barnes is efficient as spot up as well, but Durant's volume and the level of attention you have to give him is meaningfully different. Next up, smaller category, still relevant are handoffs. So they count that as something, something different. Durant is really, really good at it, but it's not something they did very much. He only had 40 possessions getting handoff and basically immediately shooting. And he had one and a quarter points per possession, 1.25, which was 96 percentile. So he's awesome at this. He was actually the best player of 103 with 40 or more possessions. So he is he was dominant in a very small sample size on this on this last year. But it is not something Oklahoma City did very often. Depending on how the Warriors run parts of their offense, they have done some stuff with handoffs before. Andrew Bogut is a notable handoff guy, but usually it was not the end game in their offense. It would be more just something to kind of discombobulate the defense, and then they would get a look out of that as opposed to that generating the look. But Durant being so good at it is something that maybe the coaching staff will incorporate. Next up is a a one that I think is more important and could be huge for the Warriors, and that's cutting. Durant is really good at this too. Almost one and a half points per possession, 1.49. And when you think about it, that's really also really impressive because generally when you're a cutter, the maximum number of points you can get is two because you're not usually cutting into a three. That would be something else. And so he's 91st percentile, super good. Number three among guys with more than 50 possessions. And the best warrior last year as a cutter was actually Andrew Bogut. 
He was a little bit below Durant, and the best current Warrior other than Durant, other than Durant is Draymond Green. You know, a little step below Bogut, and so that is something that could be a real benefit when he's not involved in the primary action of the play. I talked about that, you know, in terms of some in terms of spot up, but. He's a great cutter too, and so if the Warriors are, let's say, in the small ball lineup, if it's going to be the death stroke lineup or whatever it's going to be called, having a guy who's playing, then playing a guy who's a little bit bigger and presumably a lot slower will open up those lanes. And with Durant, you force the defense into some really awkward decisions because sometimes you want, especially if he's coming out on something, the guy wants to follow him and wants to stay close because he's such a good spot-up guy, and that actually opens up a cut as well. So that could be a huge avenue for this Warriors team to use in their offense. And cutting is is one that I it might it might just be because we're dealing with the word sample size, classification stuff, where some players really breach their their normal expectations. So Jimmy Butler was the best was the most efficient cutter in the league last year. He's over a point and a half per per 100 possessions, so above Durant. DeAndre Jordan is really good at this too, which confirms something else with him that as much as I ridicule his defense, he is really, really good at two of the most important ways the center can be good offensively, if he can, especially if he can't shoot, because he's great as the role man and he's great as a cutter. And, you know, it helps to play with Chris Paul. It helps with all those other things. But that is something that the Warriors will have to adjust to if they face them in a series, whether that be the Western Conference Finals or the second round. Some of the worst guys, Tony Allen was was in basically in the bottom 10%. He was just outside the bottom 10%, which is surprising considering he has a reputation for being a great cutter. It's also possible that some of that is just father time catching up to him or he had a bad year. Jaleel Okafor was the absolute worst in the league. Uh, he was at b- below 0.9 points per 100 possessions, and that's interesting just because Jaleel is a very talented guy and he's pretty good at finishing at the rim, so just interesting to see that him struggle in that only two left but it's really only one left and that is coming off screens and it's really surprising that this is of the categories that really matter this is the one that Durant is weakest at he's a little bit under a point per possession which is 59th percentile so he's you know a little bit over average in this and the best warrior unsurprisingly Stephen Curry second in the league at 1.2 and Clay Thompson was above Durant as well. But that's something to watch for with this Warriors team is just the way that they approach it and the Thunder doing the whole your turn, my turn thing. They didn't utilize this as much as I feel they could and also probably didn't generate as good of looks as the Warriors often do. So if if I do a follow-up with this at some point during the year, probably in around the All-Star break, I want to see this one, and that's why I'm happy to have this as a record to really see how it moves. This might have had the most surprising number one guy in the league. It's TJ Warren of the Suns. Very talented dude. Professional scorer. But he's not considered a shooter. Like That was actually the big knock on him offensively. He had a million more knocks defensively, but to see him number one in this is very interesting. Kawhi and JJ Redick are both really good at this. Part of the overall overhaul of Kawhi Leonard as an offensive player is that he's become good at shooting off screens and we'll see how that changes with a fundamentally different Spurs team because the best screener they had was Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan isn't on their team anymore. Carl Anthony Towns was 11th in the league coming off screens which is 
insane considering how young he is and how he's a center. It doesn't really like that. You would think Porzingis was there, but Porzingis was actually a little bit lower in this than he should be. So that will be a challenge for them. But to see Towns there, that just gives you a signal of how much of a monster that kid's going to be. Kentavious Caldwell-Pope, one of my favorite kind of fringy players, was actually third from the bottom in this. And that's a, a bad sign considering he's supposed to be a three knee guy, but he's had a little bit of a problem with the first part of that equation. Doug McDermott is low too. A little bit weird just because he's a shooter. And one thing that I thought was really amazing with coming off screens is that sometimes you're looking at efficiency, you know, points per possession. I've mentioned that for, for every category. Attempts are also important, how often this happens. And so Clay Thompson had... So Durant, I said, if I didn't mention it, had 259, which is a lot. You know, that's a couple a game. And Clay Thompson had 500. He had 500. He was in the 77th percentile in terms of efficiency, but that's a lot. Redick had 404. He was second. So there's a hundred difference between first and second. And then Paul George was the only other player over 300. So you have these two guys in Redick and Redick and Clay Thompson that derive so much of their offense not only in terms of just vol- in terms of percentage of their offense, but just sheer volume, and then everybody else is is kind of by the wayside. And it's also weird to have Paul George there because George that means he's playing a lot off the ball and he's not as nearly as good of it as the other two guys are. So that's another interesting thing that Durant isn't wasn't as good at last year, but could be a lot better at this year depending on how the Warriors run their offense in a couple different ways. And then the last category. I put it in because I'm, I'm a completionist, is putbacks. Kevin Durant only had 23 putback possessions. He actually did pretty well. He uh, over, over one point per possession, 1.17, 74th percentile. Not enough, of course, to make a dent. You're not dealing with many, so he only had 23 times where he got an offensive rebound and put it back up. But it, it is still a, a category that I enjoy. When Marcus Aldridge was actually the most efficient guy at this in the league, 1.41 points per possession, and one big difference is that that I just found fascinating is that Andre Drummond dumb, doubled up almost the entire league in opportunities in, in this circumstance, but he was only 55th percentile at converting them. So he is amazing at getting offensive rebounds, but not as great at scoring off of them. And that also is hurt, presumably, as Warriors fans can grimly nod as they listen to this, about somebody who's bad at free throws. Andrew Bogut's another guy like this. And so since it's measuring just their scoring, that is something that probably thinks about it. And I also got interested in it because the other standout in this category is Drummond's new teammate, Boban Marjanovic. And Boban is just nasty because about the same efficiency as LaMarcus, he finished just below him at 1.38 per possession. But 20.9% of all the shots that Boban took were on putbacks. And that's bonkers. Like, so basically a fifth of his shots, a little over a fifth of his shots, were just coming off offensive rebounds, and he's really good at it. So we'll see what happens with the Pistons in terms of you probably don't want to play those guys together, but maybe you do, and they have different strengths and all that. But which is something I found really interesting. And so... That percentage for Boban is more in line with guys like Omar Asher, Tristan Thompson, Ed Davis, who are really their offensive role is crashing the glass, but he's way more efficient at it than anybody else. So it's just something I thought was interesting. So the goal of this was to paint a very specific picture. And that picture is that Kevin Durant is the most versatile scorer in in the league. 
and is now in a circumstance where you can make a very credible argument that all of those, in terms of at least efficiency, should go up in the warrior system because they will be maximizing some of the strengths and they have better surrounding talent, whether you want to focus on the difference between Curry and Westbrook just because Curry is more of a facilitator and is a better shooter, or just that their offense is more egalitarian, more merit-based, and so they will create better opportunities than Oklahoma City did either under Scott Brooks or Billy Donovan, though Donovan deserves credit for figuring it out a little bit towards the end of the year. And I'm guessing if you could extrapolate, if you could have extrapolated it for another season under Donovan, Durant's numbers would have looked better because it would have been more of that kind of post sample. But he's really good in a lot of different ways. I mean, he's a he's a lead as a cutter. He's a lead on handoffs. He's the best post up was the best post up player in the league. One of the best spot up guys in the league. Really good in isolation, elite in transition, and then great on both sides of the pick and roll. Man, not as great at a roll man right now. I actually think that's so he was only 67th percentile. I think he's going to get better at that. But why you want somebody who's a versatile offensive player is that it makes it harder for a defense to game plan because you can focus on, like, if somebody like Clay, as great as he is, you know, he does a couple of things really, really well. And so you go, okay, how can we prevent him from doing that? And some teams will make it work, some teams won't, most teams won't. But when somebody can beat you in so many different ways, especially somebody like Durant who can do it when he has a size advantage, he can turn to certain things, and when he has a speed advantage, he can turn to others, it makes it so much harder to plan and to do an assignment, especially because he's bigger than almost everybody who guards him. So Kawhi will do a really good job, but other than that, you know, LeBron will have his moments, and that is part of the reason why the Durant on the Warriors experiment is so special is because he is great in a different way than Steph is great. And he is amazing at a lot of different things. And so we'll see how the Warriors utilize that. It will probably change a lot over time and change a lot based on personnel because when he's playing the four, you know, with those death stroke lineups, probably be more in the spot up range, maybe some pick and roll stuff. And then when he's playing the three, then you can turn to some post-ups and, and some of the other things. And he's great at all of it. So it's not you're not like you're making bad choices at all. And the creativity that he offers is something that will be really exciting to see because there aren't many players in NBA history that can be this good in this many ways. And that also should age relatively well because of his size advantages and he'll probably you'll probably accent certain parts and de-emphasize them as he gets out of his physical prime and everything like that but that kind of versatility lends itself really well t- to aging because he has those other advantages and so we'll see what we'll see what happens but it is a reason to be incredibly exciting excited about this Warriors team. So hope you like that. It was a different kind of walkthrough of this. There will be a companion piece on the athletic at some point in the next couple of days. I got all the data, but now I just have to convert it into a readable form. Hopefully this was a listenable form already. You can check that out. And it, it is really amazing to kind of see where he fits in, in all of these different ways. And if you have any feedback on this or anything else, you can reach out to me on Twitter at Danny LaRue, D-A-N-N-Y-L-E-R-O-U-X, or Danny LaRue MBA at gmail.com. Read everything, respond to what I can. You can also follow Locked On Warriors on Twitter at Locked On Dubs, Facebook or as Locked On Warriors, or email Locked On Warriors at gmail.com. 
Had some really good stuff last week. Did a Twitter mailbag. Had Adam Wardson on about the crazy Clippers game. Um, and then I did some other kind of more evergreen stuff, let's call it, on, on other issues, including one on rotations versus replacements and the idea of a bench mob specifically with this Warriors team. And that's an issue I'm going to get back to, maybe not on the podcast, but in writing at some point in the near future because it's near and dear to my own heart. And the league has been dealing with injuries at this point, and that's actually changed the way some of these teams are going to have to deal with the rotations, including the Jazz, who just lost Gordon Hayward because of a fractured finger. So they're going to have to sh- to change some things up, and that's a part of the challenge of all of this kind of thing. So as I said, this is a week without games, which is a little bit weird, a little bit frustrating in that sense, but lots of good content, going to have some guests on. This probably will be one of the only solo ones I do, maybe one other one, depending on who who get can come and everything like that. But thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you check out, if you are a football fan, you can check out Locked on, War- Locked on Niners or Locked on Raiders, depending on who your interest is, whether you want to hear about a winning team or a losing team, whatever your team is, or whoever else, you know, if it's if you're a Chargers fan or if you're a fan of any other place because there are so many transplants here in the Bay Area. And you should also check out Locked on NBA, David Locke's excellent podcast, and Locked on every other NBA team. There's some great content that's coming out all over the network. And also had some other stuff on my own, have a new Dunked On podcast that's coming out on Monday about some of the injuries and everything else like that. And then Real Jam Radio, which I do my weekly show, that was on the Northwest Division with David Locke and Adam Maris of Denver Stiffs. So if you want to hear about those teams, you can hear about it there. It's about an hour and a half. That was a fun conversation too. So thank you so much for listening. Take care and make it a great day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.